Hey everybody, welcome to Nutri IQ Radio, where we talk about all things food, fitness, and feeling good to help you clear the confusion and get your results your way. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Jim. Cool. So we'll just jump straight into it. We weren't really sure how to introduce ourselves, but we've done it now. <laughs> oh, wait, let me try again. I'm your host, Sean's boss. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> All right, cool. So we thought we'd kick off the show by introducing a little bit about what Nutri IQ is, just in case you've stumbled across us in your podcast feed or somebody's recommended the show, so you know what you're letting yourself in for. Right, so Nutri IQ is a brand new way of, as we said in the introduction, helping you clear the confusion that there is all around diet and exercise and just everything to do with losing weight or gaining weight if that's what you're trying to do getting healthy and everything in that world because there's so many conflicting things out there things that are telling you that you have to do it this way if you want to get results something telling you you got to do the complete opposite if you want to get results when really it's pretty simple and all of those things boil down to the same basic principle which is what we aim to teach you about, help you make the most of. And we have integrated and made the crux of our smart plan, which is launching soon. And so in case you're wondering what that principle is, it's something you'll have heard of before. It is the basic principle of calorie balance. So if you consume more calories than your body is using up, you're going to put on weight. If you're using up more calories than you're taking in, you're going to lose weight. And if they're the same, your weight stays the same. That's basically all there is to it. And there's a lot of different things that can play into that. And if, for example, you are going through the menopause or you are on certain medications, they just change how those numbers work. But it is just still that in-out balance. Anything to add on that, Jim? Yeah, I think... um... I think it's going to tie quite nicely into the topic that we're talking about later, um, that what we're really aiming to do is to take that basic principle, which is a little bit sort of mathematical and sort of sciencey, um, and that's how we want people really to see it. Um, but it's also about how you emotionally manage your relationship to that and to the foods that you're eating. Yeah. Um, which obviously is is sort of the big one. Um, so yeah, I think it's the the sort of the aim of the software is, and what we're going to do with the members is to really tie in those two elements, the the science of it, which, like I say, is really basic, mm-hmm. but is misrepresented a lot through the you know fad diets and stuff like that. Um, and then the emotional side, which is where obviously most people actually struggle and where a lot of the um, missteps are made by other uh, companies, you know, <laughs> approaches. The, the, those kind of companies, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, it's kind of bringing the human element, merging the human element to the scientific um, principles that underlie it all. Yeah. So do you want to give us a bit of a background on what Nutri-IQ was, sort of how it all got started, 
sort of journey we've been through to get to where we're at now and then we can let people know where we are right now because we've got some exciting news yeah so it all started um a few years back and um, when i was a couple of years into um my personal training career and basically i i wanted to make something a system that would allow me to create nutrition plans for clients um, easily and quickly. So that, that's sort of the, the where it came from, where the idea came from. So I made an Excel document that did that uh, and it was pretty effective. Um, and then I thought, well, other coaches could benefit from this. So I built it or I got help to build it into um, an online platform that did exactly the same thing, but just online. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically what it was for a couple of years. And then, um, and then sort of we brought in yourself um, and our other business partner and we've, we've pivoted it. So it, so all the stuff that a coach would do, this system now does for you, um, except you as a member have more choice. So when a coach writes your program, um, you know, they're taking the details you've given them and they're trying to sculpt something that suits you. Um, whereas now the system takes your, your information to, to give yourself uh, to structure what, what it's going to look like, but then you're actually filling it. You're populating the meal plan yourself um, and all in a matter of minutes. Um, so it's, it's essentially eliminated the, the guesswork that would come from a coach and allows you to, to fill that with your own input, your own sort of obviously informed um, decision-making. Yeah. So to bring all that together into a nutshell, yeah. the way NutriIQ and the SMART plan we've created works is that we calculate your calorie needs, you choose the meals you want, and then we put that together into a recipe book that guarantees results because it's based on just that simple principle, but you've still got the freedom to mix it up because of how the plan is put together, which is my favorite part of it, the mixing it up thing and the the flexibility. Um, And then the other big thing, of course, is the lifestyle side of it and the lifestyle needs side of it. Because like we said before, you've got that basic calories in and out, but then you've got the people that are trying to apply that and something a lot of people struggle with is you go right cool i know how many calories i need but then if you've then also got something like being a vegan or being celiac you've then got to try and find the foods to fit that which is where it gets complicated and so what we've done is all the recipes that are in our library we've tagged them for whether they're suitable for vegan celiac uh vegetarian pescatarian anything that you might be so that whether you're vegan, celiac, or just don't like something like fish, your smart plan is tailored to your personal preferences, your dietary needs, and your lifestyle. So it just makes everything super simple. Yeah, I think it it, it sort of takes the elements that would confuse people, like um, how many calories should I have, and what types of food should be in the meals, and um, you know, the stuff that they would usually ask questions about, that's what the system does for them. But then the other side where um, the part of the control that a person would always want, which is 
the actual foods that are going in, whether they dislike them or not, um, and the flexibility, because most people, if they've tried a meal plan, will know that it's really difficult to uh, try and stick to it rigidly. Yeah. And you can have the most, the, the best nutrition plan in the world written by the, the best nutritionist in the world, um, mathematically speaking, and like actual nutritionally speaking, um, but in terms of behavior, um, it's not gonna be effective if you can't do it for long enough to get the result from it. Yeah. Um, and that was, again, one of our major drivers for this system and how it works is the flexibility, is, is making the choices in the first place, but then also teaching you how to be flexible with it so that you're not stuck to the first choice that you made. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a major thing is that flexibility and that decision making on the the members' behalf. Yeah, and that comes down to what a lot of good coaches will say. You know, that simple phrase of the perfect plan is the one you can follow. Yeah, and that and that goes for anything. It could be like a training plan, a nutrition plan, a business plan, anything. If you're not going to follow it, it's it's useless. Yeah. Even if, like you say, it's technically speaking, really really good. Yeah, um, yeah. Held uh, back a little bit there because I was going to say like the the best nutrition plan by the best nutritionist in the world. But then the best nutritionist in the world would um, encourage yeah. flexibility and not try and force someone to stick to it. But yeah, just like technically speaking, like like physiologically speaking, yeah. Um, you know how good it is doesn't matter if you can't do it. If you can't yeah. stick to it, it's, it's completely pointless, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that just comes back to that thing we said right at the start in the intro about getting your results your way, because your way is different to your friend Sarah's way, and, yeah, and to your friend Dan's way, and it's finding the right way for you and your flexibility and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, let's get on to the news. So this is kind of a segment we're going to put in every week after we do our little intro, just to let you know about anything that's going on with Nutri IQ with. I guess anything in the world of health and fitness, anything that's been going on this week. And the big ones we've got this week is a couple of exciting things. A couple of days ago, we hit 2,000 likes on our Facebook page, which super buzzing about because me and Jim were literally sat refreshing Facebook pages <laughs> <laughs> like 1998, 1999. Yep. Okay, no, it stayed on, it seemed to stay on 98 for. I know. Um, and now it's jumped way over to like 2020. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so really excited about that. And then what we did was we took the opportunity. Obviously, you know, you, you might have seen if you follow us on Facebook um, or you might have seen it on other people's pages in the past. We put up a post saying we hit 2000 likes. Thank you all for your support. And thank you if you're listening for your support, if you've liked us already. And so what we did was in the caption for that picture, we announced the launch date for the first time of the Nutri-IQ Smart Plan, which is going to be available from June the 1st. So that is the first day that you, any listeners, will be able to get your own Smart Plan and start working on all that stuff me and Jim were just talking about. So finding the right calorie needs in terms of the meals you want, finding that flexibility, and just making everything really simple. So that's exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm so excited to finally actually release the launch date. Um, 
it's like um because obviously we've been really excited about it for a while on the build-up um but you want to sort of share that excitement because like say the, the social following is growing and people are engaging and you know people are contacting us and asking questions and stuff um and it's just been up to this point like oh yeah it's coming soon it's coming soon it's coming yeah. soon now that we've put a date out there it's sort of like sharing that excitement with the people that have been saying oh, i can't wait for this to come out and now yeah, it's gonna be there so super exciting yeah yeah good, good stuff i uh, think um just i think it's worth noting as well they're like what we're going to be doing with members on the the inside of the membership because on the outside you've got this amazing product which which is going to revolutionize the way that you um put together a meal plan or, or the way that you just sort of diet in general and um, but on the inside of a membership you're also going to have that support network from us and from other members um in the nutri i crew um Facebook group so um it's going to be a journey not just something that you sign up to and, and you get this meal plan and we expect you to to follow the the principles and um, we're going to be with you every step of the way we're going to be on the inside of that Facebook group helping you answer your questions helping you make decisions on a daily weekly basis um, so I think that's worth sort of knowing as well yeah help you that. navigate that journey once it starts with the plan yeah 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 awesome right so that's the news and now we'll get into our main segment so again every week we're going to have the news and then we're going to follow it up with the the key parts or the bulk of the episode um some weeks that will be something that me and jim will just discuss like an interesting topic um it might be something relevant that's gone on which is what we're on this week or it might be an interview that i've done with somebody else in terms of food fitness and feeling good to help you guys learn more as the listeners about how all of this stuff works how to simplify it and give you something that you can go away with to to start working on to start making progress for yourself um and yeah should we just jump into it see that's on what we're talking about okay cool so what we're talking about this week is something that has been on a lot of people's minds since last Monday. Uh, you might have seen it, you might not. It's a show that was on BBC Two called The Restaurant That Burns Off Calories. And so there's quite a bit of backlash to it, which is why we wanted to talk about it. And I don't know what Jim thinks of the show, and he doesn't know what I think of the show. We've both watched it, made our notes on it, and... But we're going to find out what we think, basically. It's, it's funny that when you suggested this as a topic, the night before that, I had like an hour, hour and a half long discussion with my girlfriend about it. Right. Um, because I hadn't heard anything about the show and I hadn't seen any of the backlash or yeah, no idea yeah. what it was. And, um, and she'd posted something on Instagram, like reposted someone that was sort of complaining about it. Okay. Um. And I saw it, and so I, I just kind of made like a little assessment of what the situation was, and and, and I said to her, you know, oh god, here we go, like another kind of everyone's uproar about a thing, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. And then we we got into like a really pretty deep sort of discussion about it, and, okay. and about all the the things that we're really probably going to talk about today. Yeah, um, yeah. Before I'd even seen it though, so it wasn't about the show; it was about the premise and and 
whether these kind of things should be made and, and broadcast and whatever. And then yeah. the next morning you message me saying, oh, I think we should talk about this. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, oh, God, I'm going to have to actually watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you said there that you and you and Abby got into a like an hour, hour and a half long debate. I said to Jim before the show started that for this segment, I'm going to start a timer for 30 minutes just to make sure we don't go way off on tangents yeah. and get super deep and try and stick to like what the show is and not waffle on too much, yeah. which of course we could have a tendency to do. Um, but just before we do get into the discussion, in case you haven't seen it, just to give you a brief overview of what the show is and what it was, uh, it was basically running to show the idea of a new method of food labeling that has been proposed that the government is thinking that they might start to follow. So right now, food labeling is, if you look at the back of your packet, you've got that pretty basic label that just says about how many calories you've got, your protein content, fat content, carbs, sugars, fiber, saturated fats, things like that. And then there's another one that we brought in quite a while back now that you've probably seen on some foods, but not all of them, you know, the traffic light one. So you, it's a quick guide, so you can look at the front of the, the food and see how much carbs, sugars, fats, and calories it's got relative to the recommended daily amount. And if it's quite high in terms of relative to that amount, it's red. If it's quite low, it's green. And that was designed to help you stick to those recommended amounts. And the one they're suggesting now is something called the PACE food labeling system, which stands for physical activity calorie equivalent. And um, what that means is say your food that you're looking at, for example, has got, let me just find one of the numbers in my notes. Right, can't find it, never mind. But say you've got 400 calories in the food you're looking at, the label would have a picture of a man running somebody cycling and somebody on a row machine and it would tell you how long it would take to burn off all those calories with that form of exercise so the idea is that it was a study done in Loughborough University and I think there's been some in America as well showed that if you basically have this awareness if you are aware of how much exercise it would take to burn off all those calories people choose to eat up to 20% less in terms of calories. So what the show did to kind of show that to people, they set up a restaurant. It was Fred from First Dates and Zoe from This Morning, the GP from This Morning. And they had a restaurant. People came in, chose their meals. They didn't know how many calories were inside, but in the back of the restaurant, there was a room full of people exercising on treadmills, bikes, and rowing machines. And their job was to burn off every single calorie that was consumed by the diners. And then towards the end, in the dessert portion, when they were choosing their desserts, they did present them with the paste food labels to see if people would choose differently. And if they did, then the new calorie amount changed as the target for the guys in the back. And eventually they did find out what was going on. And then they talked about whether they might eat differently. Um, but we'll get to that as we get to it, I'm sure, with the notes that we've got. Is there anything else you want to mention of how the show works before we get into what we think of it all? 
Well, I think it's worth noting that they they did a couple of segments where they took you sort of away from the restaurant and they talked about um, the sort of science of it, like mm-hmm. the, the how genetics plays a part yeah. um, and how much of your body burns uh, calories, like how much of your heart and your brain um, burns calories and your muscles and whatnot, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like that bit. Yeah, um, and I wasn't expecting it. Like, I, I, as I started to watch the program, I started to immediately pick holes in it. Um, I was thinking, same. thinking, this is, you're so out of context. I, yeah. got, I got my calculator out, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to prove how poorly out of context you are. Yeah, yeah. But then they talked about that. Yeah. Well, um, I don't, I think a lot of the sort of backlash and the problem that people have got is the, is the, the formatting of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, like, as a premise, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, um, but it, it's how you present that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for the show, I think it was um, just poorly sort of presented. Like, the information that they were, they were putting across was just prioritized in the wrong way. I don't know. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Because there's so much. Yeah, well, my sort of overall summary was, I think, before we get into it, the pace food labeling system in general, <clears throat> are you a fan of it or not? No. Okay. Also not. So just like I said, we probably went into it with a bit of a bias of, I don't like this food labeling thing. And so we were going to pick holes. And I did the same well, as you. I started picking the holes and then I went, oh, actually, but they've actually explained a useful thing there. That's quite good. Um, and so and basically, I thought it'd be good to go right through, basically start to finish, because that's the way our notes are probably going to be, and just see what kind of stuff we've picked up on. Some of the things, obviously, we're going to say, that's not very good to as a representation, like as an explanation, they didn't do that very well, or that might confuse people. But then also we're both going to have things we know now that we think were good and maybe could have been better or whatever. So yeah. you want to just take it from the top. Okay. So I think, <laughs> excuse me, I think the study from Loughborough is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the idea of implementing it. Um, <clears throat> But I think it, it's like it's an interesting thing, like the, yeah. when people see that, because it, it says a lot not just about um, like people's behaviour, um, but also about sort of how um, society sort of influences that as well, mm-hmm. um, and, and how the, the whole sort of nutrition and, and food industry um, plays a part in people's decision making process. But the setup of the restaurant was just confused. I was so confused by it. Like, it didn't yeah. really make sense to me. First of all, I'm not saying this would be a good idea, because this would be even worse and get more backlash. <laughs> but if you were, I mean, you, if you're going to go for it, go for it. Do you know what I mean? If I was going to do this um, as an experiment, just as an experiment, not as a TV show to be broadcast, I would say to them, um, I would get the meeting, whatever, and then uh, and I would say, all right, whatever decision you make, you're you're gonna have to burn it off 
on the machines. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Okay. And see how that, because ultimately, like, that's the point that yeah. they're trying to make. Um, and, and I don't know, just to make sense to me, they revealed it at the end and everyone was like, oh my God, these people have been burning off my calories. <laughs> they look horrendous. Well, at least, at least <laughs> I don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they just start clapping and they're like, oh, you guys are amazing. Yeah. I didn't do anything, though. <laughs> there's no cons- There's no point. Like, yeah. So the idea is consequence. That was the whole point, the whole premise. But there's no consequence in that scenario. Not that I'm saying that there should be, but just as an experiment, I think really like that would make more sense. Um, yeah. So I feel like what they were basically saying, what it sounded like they were saying, <clears throat> is every calorie you eat, you have to burn off intentionally. Yeah, that's that was, what I was. That was to the say immediate well. sort of point. That that's why I got my calculator out because I was going to calculate. They were saying you eat uh, this much. Keep whacking my thing. You eat this much. Um, you eat this burger. You have to spend this many minutes on a rower. Yeah. Um, and I was. And in my head, I was going, well, you don't, because mm-hmm. through the day, you're already doing that. Yeah. Like, you don't have to pay it back. Your, your, the process is that your body already pays it back. That's the whole point of calories in, calories out. So immediately, I think the premise could have been changed to, you know, if you don't want to gain weight, if you don't want to gain body fat, then whatever you eat over the amount that you're expending would have to be burned off somehow. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, which they, they touched on it. They touched on the calories in calories out and then how much comes from exercise, etc. But it was like a side note. Mm-hmm. Whereas that really should have been the priority. Yeah. Is, is that look, you know, most of the stuff you eat is going to get burned off. That's what you're doing through the day. You're just constantly burning mm-hmm. calories. Why you eat in the first place. And um, yeah, and then also, I don't know, if maybe you've got something to say on that before. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, like, what we're talking about there, that's the issue that a lot of people, a lot of coaches have with the PACE labeling system in itself. Because the labeling system says to burn off 400 calories, you'd have to do X amount of exercise. But as you said there, you don't. And that's something they explained because... Uh, the doctor, Zoe, explained to Fred that he, she sort of filled up a little glass of with beans and said, you know, about, I can't remember the number she used, but just for simplicity, let's say she said 50% of your calories that you need each day are used by your body just keeping you alive. Just those basic functions in terms of everything that happens that we don't even think about and we don't have to think about and that's the point and then say another 20 percent is your i don't know what she used for it uh, but what we normally call the Indeed. thermic effect of eating yeah um, oh that, sorry yeah yeah she called it i got it written down she called it dit so yeah digestion induced thermogenesis or something like yeah, that yeah something <clears> like that so basically when you eat food that process in itself of chewing of swallowing of the food moving around your digestive system that all takes up energy and we don't need to get as deep into it but some foods use up more energy than others to break down and 
that's that section of it. Yeah. And then she well, said, I, I think, sorry, just while you're on that thermic effect of food, <clears> she said um, that you can't influence that a lot. Mm-hmm. But, um, but actually, where you've just said there, some foods cost more energy to go yeah, through yeah. the process isn't small. Like, it's not yeah, marginal. Yeah. Like, carbs and proteins are, like, between 3 and 6%. Mm-hmm. So if you eat 100 grams of either of those, you'll use sort of 3 to 6. Um, so if you eat 100 calories from those, you'll use sort of 3 to 6 calories in the digestive process, whatever. Um, but, um, sorry, that's protein and carbs. No, it isn't. It's fat and carbs. And then protein actually uses 30%. Yeah. So you use a lot more energy in the assimilation of protein than you do the others, mm-hmm. which is sort of one of the factoring reasons why high, why sort of higher protein diets are um, a little bit better for fat loss. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the calories that you eat from the protein gets used, like a third. It's massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's also, again, sort of important to note that even that, like it's only 10% mm-hmm. of the food that you burn in a day. Yeah. I mean, so it's still a, a sort of other calories that you burn, still a small amount. Yeah. So then the other thing, the final section of your daily calorie use, uh, Zoe explained, was your physical activity, which is all of your movements every day. So if somebody's watching this as a podcast, they'll see me waving my arm around and moving my hand as I'm explaining things and that's getting up out of bed, brushing your teeth, sitting down on the couch, standing back up. It doesn't have to be exercise. It's just moving at all. Um, and that's a, there's a lot of energy that gets used just doing that. And then the exercise specifically is again, a portion of that physical activity overall. So really, your exercise only accounts for we don't know the exact number because it ranges depending on what you're doing but say it's somewhere between like what up to 15 20 percent if that overall yeah yeah so the issue with the labels then is where it says say you've got 400 calories to burn off that's going to take you this long on the bike rarely it should say 400 calories 15 percent of that is this much which would take this long that will kind of make more sense in terms of how things work i think yeah. do you know what i mean yeah I, I just think i don't know if this is why i'm not that's why i don't agree with the labeling system because there's no way to put it on a menu mm-hmm. that puts it into the right context yeah you know what i mean like fine if you sort of want to say <clears throat> if you it's so it's you just can't do it in a simple way you'd have to say to people look you have a, you burn a certain amount of calories in the day um you are going to eat a certain amount of calories in the day yeah. if you burn this much more it will take you sort of this much av- exercise on average to burn what you've eaten like that's how you'd have to contextualize it yeah and then there's also, the fact that, there's also the fact that every person <laughs> who does that exercise will get 
a different amount different of calories result. used up. So well, that I doesn't mean, work as well. And I think they mentioned that briefly as well. Yeah, yeah. They, I think they said like it's not <clears throat> um, obviously 100% accurate and they, they kept saying on average. Um, yeah. But that's a little bit of the problem is that it was people don't listen to, like me and you are going to be sat there watching it and we're like, we've got our notes out. <clears throat> yeah, like analysing we're listening what they're to this saying. And, and there's, there's stuff in there as well that I find interesting that I didn't know. And then there's other stuff that I tell people on a daily basis. And then I, they say it and I go, great, yeah. Um, but, you know, Sally, who has zero interest in any of the science, mm-hmm. all she hears is, well, yeah, if I eat 700 calories, I'm going to have to do this much growing to get rid of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it, the whole thing of broadcasting it the information's not bad if it's in the right context but broadcasting it i think is a bad idea yeah yeah i, I found some just... i found a specific example that i wrote down that they gave of the numbers in case anybody listening wants to know what it is as an example so the numbers they presented was there was a 463 calorie cake a cheesecake or something for dessert and they told us that that would require 40 minutes of running, 58 minutes cycling, or 67, 67. minutes of rowing. I remember that. That's let a me, lot. Let me tell you why I remember that. Because I looked at that and I was like, what? Like, I hate rowing. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind running too much. I've been doing a bit of running recently. Um, and so that was like 40 minutes of running is the equivalent. This is irrelevant. 40 minutes of running is the equivalent of 67 minutes of rowing. Yeah. Well, I could very comfortably run for 40 minutes and I wouldn't last 10 minutes on a rower before I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was shocked by the difference there. In those two. Yeah. It's not and really that, relevant to and, the point. But. And the way you're thinking about it there is similar to what I thought and I think comes into what a lot of the backlash came from. So just briefly, a lot of the backlash was from uh, people with eating disorders, people currently struggling with eating disorders. Some of the specifics on that I've got written down. Um, So the eating disorder charity called Beat, they received three times as many calls the following day with the show from when the show aired than they normally would with the majority of those calls referring to the show. And so at first glance, you might be thinking, well, why is that? but basically, something that one of the, I think it was the person who, who runs the whole thing, she said the way the show was presented was almost like the perfect example of someone with an eating disorder's mind of how they think about things. And, you know, the two sort of major eating disorders we think of are anorexia and bulimia. And so anorexia is restricting food and basically not allowing yourself to have that to an extreme extent, obviously. And bulimia is purging food, and that purging can come through vomiting so that those calories aren't being absorbed and you're not going to gain weight and things like that. And the other way to purge is exercise. And so that last part, purging through exercise, is exactly what the show was presenting as just a normal thing, just a sensible thing to do when... For people who were in that frame of mind, that set a lot of people off as in, oh, but now it's on the BBC too. So what I was thinking was right all along mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like that was a lot of the issue. And and I get it because what you were talking about there with 
the way you were thinking about the numbers. Obviously, you and I understand because it's our job. We understand that it's not the full 463 calories that you have to burn off. It's 15% if that that you have to potentially burn off. not. Like, <clears throat> yeah, like you like, say, like on a broad <clears throat> scale, say like 50 if 15% of everything you eat is exercise, yeah. then just for argument's sake, 50 percent. 15% of the 463 needs to be burned off. Yeah. And I looked at those numbers of the 40-minute row and the 58-minute cycle, the 67-minute row, and I thought kind of the same as you. I like cycling. So a couple of days ago, I was out for an hour cycle. I'm going to go out again later today for an hour cycle. And I was watching the show thinking, but if I had to, if I was thinking in my head that <clears> I had to go out for an hour cycle, just to sort of deserve, quote unquote, this piece of cheesecake, which is something I really like, that would make me not want to enjoy. The, I wouldn't enjoy the cycle because yeah. I was like punishing myself for the cheesecake. Yeah, it's which, like payment. Yeah, and so like just thinking about things in that way is not good for you mm. because number one, you don't need to, and number two, it that does ruin that relationship with food. Yeah. Uh, which is something that I think was noticeable towards the end when they started explaining what was going on. Well, there was a bit where they, uh, one of the women said that she was, her son was getting married yeah. um, that year. And so she changed her mind about the dessert she was going to have because they showed how much work she'd have to do yeah. to deserve it. Um, yeah. And that was like, <clears throat> when I seen that, I was like, yeah, well, I can really still see the, the, where the uproar is going to come from yeah you could see you could see it in her see face the guilt see the guilt like on her face yeah if, if somebody hasn't watched it like honestly just watch that and you'll understand straight away from that section how how mentally impactful this is because i've written down here angela looked gutted because because <laughs> yeah she was saying i've got my son's wedding coming up i need to lose a stone and she ordered like sticky toffee pudding maybe and she obviously was looking forward to it it's probably a favorite dessert and then she was presented with this information and she said oh i guess i'll just have to switch that for some water and ice yeah and her face was just yeah. oh was like the, the thing is like a you you've got like the element of guilt of like oh wow i was gonna actually gonna do that and it was mm-hmm. it cost me this much energy um but then there was also the like she wanted their sticky toffee pudding. Yeah. Now, and she's been dip, she's like self deprived it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was yeah. good. That was yeah, a big there's, there's a couple of things on that that I want to note as well. So as that part of the show was happening, just after they did that, and Angela looked devastated that she couldn't have her favorite dessert. A girl on a different table. The way Fred sort of said it was like they didn't care. And it's like, yeah, they didn't, but that's a good thing yeah. to, to me because the girl who um, the girl who didn't change her mind said, ah, oh, it was worth 100-something calories. I enjoyed it. And I was like, yeah. Like, that's the way it should yeah. be. Like, you don't have to think, oh, I've just taken 100-something calories and I enjoyed it, but now I've got to go and burn that off for, for half an hour on the treadmill. It's just, yeah, I just had a nice dessert. Yeah. End of story. Like that's I, it. End of the show. I think as well, like the the context of the actual those people in the restaurant mm-hmm. um, was a 
a wrong fit for their message that we're trying to kind of get across because they banged on about averages a lot. And something we do a lot with NutriIQ is we talk about averages, mm-hmm. which is why like you shouldn't beat yourself up if you go outside of your goal uh, so target calories for the day or for the meal or whatever it is because as long as you're following the sort of process it'll average out to what it, it needs to be kind of thing um and and they the people in the restaurant were out celebrating like they were like, yeah, out for birthdays birthday, yeah. or like family meals and stuff so it wasn't a matter of well what are you having for tea tonight it was a matter of you know they're out on an occasion for like for a family member's birthday where if you know if we're coaching people we'll say to them like well i'll say to people you know when you go out for a a family meal um you know i don't really want like if someone said to me i want to step on stage Mm -hmm. they've got like a really specific sort of calorie need need to get there and that's the goal that's what they want and we're going to do what we can to get them there then yeah, fine. Track all the calories that go in your body. You're gonna have to if that's your goal and you want to get it. But when you're just talking about general, um, like losing weight over a long period of time, mm-hmm. then you know you you can't carry it around with you in every scenario and every second of your day. Yeah. Um, including like celebrating family birthdays or doing whatever. Yeah. You should just be able to enjoy those situations and then also not sort of pay for it mm-hmm. do you know what I mean not yeah, like yeah. be like oh well I am going to enjoy it but tomorrow I'm going to deduct all of those extra calories yeah. from my intake or I'm going to go and work it off by doing this many minutes yeah yeah um because it's you just use the law of averages mm-hmm. like yeah there's just the major concern for me was context there's just no context to it yeah the whole program um, and the whole premise and that's where you know coaching is is so vital because that's what coaching does is it just offers context to every situation mm-hmm. as opposed to having blanket rules for things yeah like, can do this can't do that mm-hmm. you can't live like that you can't live on on those kind of black and white rules yeah and something that so after they revealed to the diners what was going on and they went into the back room where all the exercises were and they started discussing between them what was um, what what was going on and what they thought of it all. There's a couple of things. So Angela, the woman who changed their dessert, trying to get ready for the wedding, looked devastated about the situation. Um, even they actually said Angela's got pudding envy. Like they actually said that in the show and I was like, well, that's not good either, is it? Yeah. Um, again, so like that's going to be a tangent, and we said we're not going to do that too much. <laughs> yeah. So Angela said she thought it was going to be useful to have those things on menus, um, but then somebody else, and I didn't get her name through the show, but she was from the same table as the girl who said it was worth the hundred calories. I enjoyed it. She said, but I wouldn't want that on my menu because I just want to relax and enjoy my meal. And yeah. So that just comes back to what you were talking about there for a lot of the time especially if it's going out for a meal that is just something to go and enjoy you don't yeah. you shouldn't have to be guilting yourself or second guessing yourself and things like that yeah. um so you can have you can have both like uh well i was think something 
that another one of the diners said, Preeti, she said, well, it's a treat and I don't have it every day. And that's the right way to think about it. That's yeah. something I thought about a few times through the show because these people were having a three-course meal, which obviously just racked up the calories for the people in the back having to burn them off. Whereas most of us don't have a three-course meal at every meal. And yeah. so, again, that kind of misrepresented the numbers because it was saying well, each diner hit over a 1,000 calories at their meal, yeah. which makes you think, oh, my God, that's so many. Because you then think, but I have three meals a day. Am I eating 3,000 calories? And you're like, no. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. again, it's just well, I, kind of I think there's kind of – I don't know the last time I had a three-course meal. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, a long time ago, and I'm quite a big eater. Um, and – the, the actual foods themselves, they said the lowest calorie option was 700 and something calories, um, which is quite high. Like if you went to a restaurant and they didn't have anything less than 700 calories, yeah, like you're in like a, a, a very indulgent restaurant. Yeah. Um, so again, not realistic to a real life situation where, where you could, you know, you've got a bigger menu to choose from. They obviously yeah. had purposefully populated it with high calorie meals. Um, plus, when when they were, um, what did he say about, oh yeah, the, the amount of calories that they'd eaten in the restaurant uh, averaged? 1,654, I've just yeah, said it. Yeah. massive, isn't it? Um, that, I think, the only good that that sort of did, um, was to sort of highlight how uh, how much calories are in restaurant foods. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, again, it's not like there's no, like, so what, if you want to go and enjoy it, whatever. But a lot of people won't realize because they'll go to a restaurant and get a chicken Caesar salad. Yeah. And when they made it at home and they sort of calculated the calories for it, it was 300 calories. And then they go to a restaurant to have it. And it's like 700 calories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, I think it is quite good because it comes down essentially to restaurants, um, you know, just willy nilly putting, uh, you know, dressings and and whatever on food, mm-hmm. um, or cooking it in a certain way, especially to save money a lot of the time, um, yeah. which just so bam bam gets the calories like super high on it yeah and so it's a bit of an eye opener so just to jump in i started that timer for half an hour (laughs) right it's got three minutes 15 seconds left so let's really quickly just go over some of the the good things the things that were useful about it um so we mentioned that they did explain um how calorie balance works in terms of like the calories we use every day um they explain that we use calories when we sleep, that men need more energy than women, which is something that a lot of couples might struggle with because if the female partner is always having the same size meal as the male partner and you find yourself thinking, well, Dave eats whatever he wants and we eat the same, but I'm fat and he's not, that, that could be why. If you're having the yeah. same portions, you don't need the same portions. That's like a really important thing to note. Um, and then, yeah, they got into the genetics thing yeah, I think in itself was a bit confusing because one thing he said, which was good, was that he said, genetics don't determine your body weight. But then 
they went on and talked about like jeans that will make you fatter and yeah. skinny jeans they called them as well and so when you start thinking about those things you're like well i probably have the fat gene because I'm, I'm fat or like oh well sheila's definitely got the skinny gene because she's skinny and it well, can like they, take away the responsibility the, the presenter i can't remember her name um zoe she, yeah she uh they said they measured her blood and they said you have got the fat gene um yeah but she she's <clears throat> someone that the people around her probably they know how much she exercises and how active she is yeah, you, know, yeah. you can see yeah she's in good shape so they probably like you say would would look at her and go ah, yeah she's definitely got the skinny gene like definitely yeah yeah like, whereas it, it don't it was kind of interesting for me um but at the same time i feel like pretty useless because they're saying well yeah the information is only relevant to the person if they know that they've got that gene mm-hmm. which which they don't no one does and so even it, then so it, what difference does it make because your choices are still just going to come down to that calories in versus calories out despite the genes that you've got yeah well i mean the point so, that they made you know I mean? about like the the fto gene which mm-hmm. was like the the sort of bigger of indicator gene for the likelihood of becoming overweight by a certain age um they said is is uh, dramatically reduced through exercise um which is like okay if i took someone and i said i measured the blood and i said you've got this gene it it means you're more likely to get fat if they know that then they might go oh, well i've got the gene like it's just built into me what, yeah, what that's just the way that? it is yeah. Then. yeah like whereas if and then if you say to them, well, if you exercise, you reduce that by fifty percent. Um, but you don't have to tell them that if you didn't tell them they've got it in the first place. Yeah, because you know? it's the same as <laughs> just saying exercise helps you not gain weight. Like you don't need to have that bit in the middle, which just complicates matters. Yeah, in a way. Um, it, it's it's because the overall message is is the, the message anyway. Like obviously exercise. Yeah. exercise everyone yeah. should exercise yeah um and that ultimately you can say it without tying all that to it yeah and I mean, the sort of like the last quote from that section of the show um was where the the guy i can't remember his name he said body weight is not a choice and i was like well you yeah insofar as saying today i'm going to be 68 kilos that's not a choice but the behaviors that you can build for yourself and the environments you can put yourself in and all those kinds of things things we talk about like you said in terms of coaching people to help them understand things they are choices and yeah yeah, you might have these genes that make you more inclined to choose higher calorie foods but just because you've got that inclination doesn't mean that has to be the decision yeah and so that was the issue i took with like the final segment like the final part of that segment saying body weight isn't a choice because then it gives you that kind of defeatist attitude of yeah why bother trying Um, and it's a tricky one it's not again it's not black and white because ultimately you can't say right um it's if we were to say it's entirely not genetic and those that are overweight it's just because they're not disciplined enough or don't have the willpower. Mm-hmm. You can't say that. 
um, because there is genetics involved, and that's that's the major element that the genetics um, influence is is the the willpower. Like if if I am someone who's got the skinny gene, yeah, then when I'm tempted by something, um, on a scale of temptation, it might be a three because of my genetics. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone else it might be an eight. <clears throat> yeah. So, so it's not just that I've got willpower and they're lazy; it's that they're fighting a, a bigger battle than I am in that mm-hmm. regard. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then at the same time, if you go around saying, you know, it's not a choice; it's genetics. Then, like you say, it's defeatist, and people just go, "Well, it's written into my code. Mm-hmm. I choose my parents, but that's it. I'm, I'm going to be overweight. Yeah. Do anything about it. It's, it's such a, it, you, <laughs> you can't put it on a TV show because. It's just not black and white. Yeah. And TV shows are for things, as far as I'm concerned, for things that are black and white. It's for yeah. facts. Yeah. Because you don't know who's watching. Yeah. And, and the major issue I take with this TV show, which is actually something Abby mentions, is the timing of it. It's just awful. Yeah. Because we're in lockdown and they're basically saying, you know, uh, you have to do the exercise to burn off the calories. I was like, well, I can only do an hour of exercise a day. I'm locked <laughs> yeah. in. Like, well, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's so much harder for everyone to do that right now. Mm-hmm. And this is the time that they broadcast that. It yeah. just seems like such a, you couldn't have picked a worse time. Yeah. Yeah. I think the same. And just, like I said, we've already gone over our half an hour limit, but I just want to mention, <clears throat> Like I said, the way they said body weight is not a choice, and I wasn't a fan of that. <clears throat> I just want to mention one more thing that they said in that segment, and then I think we should talk about the environment segment because that was a good one as well. But the thing that they said in that segment, <clears throat> the woman that was looking at the skinny jeans, they were looking at a particular gene, and she actually said the words, this single gene is enough to keep a person thin, and there is no way that is true. Because <laughs> if that person with this skinny gene eats 4,000 calories a day, they will not stay thin. Like, that is just not the way it works. And again, I don't want people to have watched the show to have heard that quote from that lady and to think, oh, well, if I don't have the skinny gene, then I'm not going to stay thin. Or, oh, for some reason, I've had this test and I do have that skinny gene, so I can do whatever I want. Yeah, it's not true. And I just want to make sure people know that there's no single gene that will keep you thin. There is no single gene that will make you fat because there's so much else going on with it. There's so there's so many factors to the the obesity epidemic, pandemic, whatever we call it. Um, And a big part of that is the other segment we're going to look at, which is the environment. I think just on that, what you just said there, I think it's. Again, it's the representation of the information. Like the information is so interesting, like what she was pulling up those. Um, yeah, but yeah. all they're really doing is they're taking a, a large number of people, they're seeing which ones are overweight, which ones are uh, skinny, mm-hmm. um, and then they're looking at the genetic codes and then they're finding an average. So more of the people who were skinny had the skinny gene yeah. and more of the people who were overweight. And so it, it's literally just a, it's a likelihood factor. It's like driving a red car, insurance companies bump up your premium because you're driving a red car, and on average, people who drive red cars crash more often. 
That's just that's exactly the same kind of statistics. Yeah. But the but reason that if you drive a red car, you're going to crash. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't mean if you've got a red car, you're going to crash. And it doesn't mean if you buy a black car, you'll never crash it. So you can drive however you want. Yeah. It's like it's just it's a statistic, mm-hmm. which is overall is interesting, but you can't use it to bloody build a lifestyle on. Yeah. So let's move on to the environment section and then we'll wrap it up. And in my notes, I've got little minuses next to things that weren't very good and then little pluses next to things that were good to mention. And in the environment section, everything I've got is a plus. I thought it was a really good section. Um, There's one minus actually right at the end of it. But what did you think of the environment section? I don't know if I've seen that section. So they were walking around the streets in Cambridge and they were saying about how much food advertising there is and things like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I caught a glimpse of that, but I think I'm nipped off to talk. Okay, right. So uh, I'll just think into it. So <laughs> what they were saying was the environment plays a massive factor into the way that we think about food and the way, they res- the way that we act around food as well. So I can't remember the name of the lady that was in that section, but she sits on government boards to help advise on nutrition recommendations, things like that. And she was explaining how we are always encouraged to eat everywhere we turn. And they showed like walking down the road, there's on one bus stop, there's an advert for Costa, there was an advert for McDonald's and there was an advert for KFC. And so, what she said was every time we see food it makes us want food and I thought that watching the show because when they got to the dessert section they were talking about the desserts and it made me start thinking I'd love some chocolate fudge cake with ice cream right now because that's my favorite dessert from a restaurant and that's just the way we think if we see food we want more of it and well, that's what it's designed for like there's a whole sandwich yeah, that's to why advertising is the way yeah. it is um, and so they said you know something that the government is again also looking at but a lot of people are sort of saying they wouldn't have the cojones to do is Mm. to ban advertising for junk food Mm. um like full stop and they were saying that they might do it initially before the watershed so you don't see any junk food ads before nine o'clock or whatever time the watershed is i can't remember Um, just so that sort of kids are less likely to see it, so that people generally are less likely to see it, because again, if you see it, it makes you want it, and that's the way advertising works. And the thing that she also said actually that I liked was that she did sort of get to the point that despite all of this, at the end of the day, you gain weight if you're eating too much, if the food goes in your mouth. And yes, there are a lot of things going on that are trying to influence you to eat that food but it is still whether the food goes in your mouth or not um and let me see what's it she said about us living in in an obesogenic environment and that is true that is fact that is why so many people find it so hard to lose weight because everywhere you turn something's trying to make you eat there's an habit uh like I say, a McDonald's, a Burger King, a Costa that's full of calories, even though it's only coffee, which is surprising to a lot of people. And you don't think about it because you're mm. drinking it. Um, and a specific number she gave us was that there are a third more fast food outlets today than there were 10 years ago. So 
the environment in terms of how obesogenic it is has also just rocketed, which is going to, yeah. again, make things harder. Yeah, because I think you've got like the whole discussion around guilt um, and, and, you know, saying to people, you shouldn't be eating this or there's too many calories in that. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it's and she brought up smoking, I believe, at that point as well. That's the thing that I wasn't sure on. Well, I, when I spoke to Abby about this, we a lot of our conversation was about whether, you know, what should the message be? Should you even be doing it at all? Um, and I sort of brought up uh, smoking. Mm-hmm. So and and it is obviously different because you have to eat. So we're talking yeah. about managing yeah. something that you have to do, not, you know, something that's completely pointless, but you can do it if you want to do it, like smoking. But my point was, well, look, you know, they banned the whole thing on smoking because if someone wants to smoke, we tell them the risks, they decide whether they accept those risks or not, mm-hmm. and then they do it. Um, but the two key elements are uh, A, you tell them what the risks are, and B, companies aren't allowed to advertise to, uh, you know, to trick you into thinking it, that you should be doing it or to entice you into it. Um, and, and I think the same definitely should apply to fast food. Like, ultimately, being overweight is a health risk. It makes you more susceptible to heart disease, diabetes, yeah. etc. Um, on average, and again, like smoking, you could smoke your whole life and live to a hundred. Yeah, like it can happen, obviously, mm-hmm. but you're more likely not to do that yeah. than if yeah. if you didn't. Right? Same with food. Same with being overweight. You can be overweight and just enjoy the rest of your life and live long and be completely happy, and it doesn't cause any health issues can happen you're more likely for it not to happen it is the same in that regard mm-hmm. um but um but you know even though you have to eat um you know the fast food industry is manipulating and taking advantage of people's sort of emotions and desires yeah. um to influence that you know what i mean so i i, I think a I think a blanket ban on on the advertising of it is a very good idea. Yeah. Because you're not again, like it's still there, like Subway and Mackeys and that are still on the street. Mm-hmm. Um and and people already know the risks. Yeah. They already know that it's not like healthy or that eating it every day is is probably gonna make them overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still getting shoved down their throat. Yeah. 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 Yes, I thought the environment section was a good one because it it might have done a little bit to make people aware of how their environment and advertising and all of that is influencing their decisions. And basically, to but again to wrap that up, the environment that is out there on the street doesn't have to be the same as the environment that is in your house. So that's where we talk about things like setting up your food environment to make your life easier. You know, if you've got bags of crisps in the house, you will eat them eventually. If you don't buy them, you can't eat them, which is the simple solution to a lot of people who struggle with snacking. 
if the snacks aren't there, you won't eat them. If you see an advert on TV for snacks and it makes you want snacks, that's the external environment influencing you. But then if the snacks aren't there, it can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's you know things like that. We've got loads of episodes to come. We've got loads of podcasts to do. We can talk about all these things in more detail in all that. But yeah, I thought that was a good a good section to to include in terms yeah, well, of the environment. Just out of interest, what was your uh, thoughts on the smoking part? So I just wrote down that the smoking ad comparison sort of reminded me of the the cancer ad comparison last year that there was a lot of discussion over. Right. Remember that? So yeah. Cancer Research UK put that advert out saying obesity is a cause of cancer too and it looked like a cigarette packet um and again it was kind of a context thing because it was what you said there it's not that obesity causes cancer it's not a direct if you are obese this is going to cause you to get cancer it's that if you are obese you are doing a more than likely you're doing a lot of things in your lifestyle that do contribute to developing those kinds of problems um, and so that was just something I thought of it just cause they were talking about smoking adverts and saying how, you know, 30 years ago there were adverts for cigarettes saying cigarettes are cool. Cigarettes make you look younger and all these things, you know, there's similar kind of adverts now for junk food that are saying like, and it's kind of like some of the stuff that they talked about in the game changes documentary, like about how junk food, like eating a massive burger is manly and this kind of thing. Mm. It influences how you think about the food and makes you want it. Um, and so in that way, there is that comparison. Um, but yeah, the only thing I thought of was just that it reminded me of the, um, the cancer ad from last year, which was another hotly debated topic yeah. that we're not going to get into because we're already a 45 minute <laughs> segment that was only supposed to be half an hour. Be. Right. So, but there was another section that was good, like the gut microbiome bit, which we're not going to get into. We'll talk. We can have a. We can have a topic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And when we do that that as a podcast, we'll say you mentioned this in that show in the first one, but blah blah blah. But yeah. So, overall summary of the show. Go. Um. Start time. Had some. Had some interesting parts. Um. Was formatted poorly. And timed the release of it was timed very poorly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't agree with um, the proposal of bringing the the pace uh, labeling system forward. And I think that programs like this are the information in them is. Uh, needs too much context to mm-hmm. be broadcast broadcast to yeah. the entire population like yeah. you have no idea who's watching and there's mm-hmm. no way to frame it i could tell you six different ways to frame that tv show each of which would suit a type of person mm-hmm. but there's no one way to do it to, to suit everyone because yeah. what's going to help someone is going to push someone else deeper into an eating disorder or yeah, yeah. you know something like that so i disagree with it and i don't think they should have done it how about you yeah yeah basically the same like i've said all the way through i thought there was some good points that i didn't expect them to go into 
things like the environment, things like the gut microbiome, things that good stuff, even as far as how calories in, calories out works. But then they just didn't explain it enough. Like I said, there wasn't enough explanation to give it factual context rather than potentially relevant context for one person, but not for another, damaging to another. And that's, of course, why there were so many increased calls to beat the eating disorder helpline. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that tells you in itself the way that this was done isn't just an opinion of two guys on a podcast or a couple of people on Twitter. It had a direct damaging effect on people, which we know happened. And so that in itself straight away says the way the show was done wasn't ideal. Um, and hopefully, you know, they'll learn from that going, cause they're going to make more shows like this and hopefully they'll learn from that. And something I thought as the show was wrapping up was the way they've got these nutritionists on the show, explaining how there are different amounts of calories in proteins, carbs compared to fats, how there are different um, calories compared to the alcohol and the mixer that is in your mm -hmm. drinks and explain that, that was quite good. Why don't they have these nutritionists who are obviously good at their job, who obviously understand things, obviously coach their clients or patients if it's in the NHS, whatever. Why are they not on sort of the final board of the production of the show to watch it through and say, do you know what? We can't say it that way. Yeah. Because that's the thing, like those nutritionists could say all the right things but the way the producers put it together can ruin the entire thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably like the main problem with having it as a TV show is that yeah. the agenda is not to help the public. Yeah, it's entertainment at the end of the day. That's what they're like, trying to do. Look at all these people working yeah. off in the back of a room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's the issue. But cool. 50 minutes. That was supposed to be 30. That Great is, start. As, to be fair, <laughs> not the best. That was not... Uh, a reasonable goal for us because that was chock full of different points really yeah we'll we'll work out it for next time but anyway cool so from the main segment what as i've been doing as we go through the show i've been explaining to you guys the listeners the people watching on youtube if that's what you're doing how we're structuring the show and how that's going to happen as we go into future episodes so we've opened the show we've done the news we've done our main segment and what we would usually do now is the letters segment of the show so obviously we don't have any of that right now, but what this is for is after me and Jim discuss whatever we're discussing that week, or if it's an interview and we talk about what was in the interview, uh, we want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you thought of this week, for example. We want to know what you thought of the restaurant that burns off calories. What did you think of the show? Did you think along the same lines of us? Did you have a different opinion? Uh, let us know. Drop us an email to Sean, that's S-H-A-U-N, at Nutri-IQ.net, and let us know in an email, because we want to know what you thought. So then next week, in the letter segment, we can read that out, we can talk that over a little bit. And if you just want to let us know what you think of the podcast, of Nutri-IQ Radio in general, let us know that as well. Because if you don't like it, maybe we can change things up to make it a little bit better to listen to. If you do like it, that's just nice things to hear isn't it? <laughs> uh, I wanna yeah. Hear it. yeah, we want to hear we want to hear from you whether it's about the context or the content, sorry, of the show or just about the show in general. Let us know. Sean at NutriIQ.net. 
And that brings us on to our final segment, which we're calling what we're reading. So we're thinking each week we'll each bring something to the show of what we're reading right now, whether it's a book we're reading or something we've read in the past that we think will benefit you guys to, to check out as well. And one of us will bring something that we think is just good to watch, entertaining, something that just kills some time and we want you to see anyway because we like it. So I go first. We'll start with the one that we're going to say is beneficial for you in terms of checking out. And for me, this is a book called Flip It, How to Get the Best Out of Everything by a guy called Michael Heppel. And so if you're watching on YouTube, I'm just holding the book up to the camera so you can check it out. But yeah, this is one of the first books that I ever read on self-development in terms of changing the way you think so that it can be more productive. Uh, you might have read books like, uh, what have we got on the shelf? I can't even see them because they're too far away. But there's loads of books. You might have heard of them. You might not think they're your thing because you're like, I don't need self-help. I'm better than that. Um, but if you're thinking that, you probably do. So yeah, like I said, flip it. The subtitle is How to Get the Best Out of Everything. And the whole point is, like we said before, we can be quite self-defeating in the way that we think sometimes. We can think to ourselves, why am I overweight? Why am I single? Why can't I get a job? Things like that. And when you ask yourselves those kinds of questions, you kind of just close yourself down because your brain is always going to come up with an answer to the question you've asked. So if you ask, why am I still overweight? Your brain will say, because you keep eating quavers. Your brain will give you an answer and it might not be a useful answer, but that's what your brain does. And the whole point of the book is to change the way you think about situations, change the questions you ask yourself to make them more productive. So rather than asking, for example, why am I still overweight? You might change that question, sort of reframe it to say, how do I start losing weight? And then your brain will come back with an answer to say, go listen to NutriIQ Radio. For example, nice plug there. Nice, nice self plug. Uh, but no, I'd say, you know, uh, well, Debbie's doing all right. Why don't you ask Debbie? Or your brain might say, well, you lost weight a couple of years back. Why don't you do that again? And it just helps you to reframe situations, see things in a better way, which right now is something that we could all probably benefit from. Like we said, we're in lockdown right now. We're out of all of our usual routines. You might be feeling that you are a little bit more fluffy around the edges, like I am, to be honest, and thinking, right, how can I get the best out of this? It's not a normal situation, but what can I do? Rather than just being a bit self-defeating and thinking, I can't do anything, because you can. You always can. And this book, like I said, it's one of my favorites, will help you find those answers you're looking for. Flip It by Michael Heppel. I'll put a link to it in the description, the show notes for the podcast. So that's my recommendation for the week. What have you got? Nice. Yeah, mine's the uh, just something I've been watching. Um, it's an easy watch. I've been sort of cycling through them, gone through quite a lot of series, uh, like different TV shows. Just something I can put on in the background and I can sit at my computer doing work while it's on. And yeah. uh, the one I'm on at the minute is Community. Have you seen that, Sean? No. Is that on Netflix? It's on Netflix. I've seen it um, advertised. 
it's uh, it's just about um, a bunch of adults that have had to go to community college for various reasons. Oh. Um, uh, and it's it's a comedy. It's just like a sort of a little sort of sitcom, light-hearted comedy. Um, but the, the there's a lot of funny characters in there. But the star of the show is um, is a I can't remember his name. You know, Mr. Chow from The Hangover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's brilliant. He's yeah. a Spanish teacher, um, and he's just like an awful person. Um, but he's he's the absolute golden nugget of the show. Um, yeah. So yeah, d- definitely if you're looking for something funny, um, community, it's easy, light-hearted watch, but it, it is funny. Yeah. All right, cool. So if you're looking for something to help you get the best out of lockdown, check out Flip It. If you're looking for something to just help you get through lockdown and out the other side, saying <laughs> check out Community on Netflix from Jim's recommendation. So I guess all that's left to say is thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Nutri IQ Radio to all of our listeners. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show if you're listening as a podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Nutri IQ TV on YouTube if you're watching on there. And if you fo- if you want to follow us around social media, make sure you like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at Nutri IQ, which is without the dash. So that's everything. Goodbye from me, Sean. See you later, guys. Uh, Goodbye from Jim. See you later.